Hello and welcome to the Atonicast. I'm Ed Niedermayer, and I'm joined once again by Kirsten Corset of TechCrunch. Did you say Atonicats just now? <laughs> I think you, I, I did. I, I think I, you stumbled. I I never know anymore if I like <laughs> from accidentally saying Atonicats or Atonicast. Well, that's what it sounded like. Uh, we okay. should mention that Alex, the third cat, is MIA right now. Yeah, we're we're missing we're missing him sorely. Yes. Well, he's in an undisclosed location, I believe, somewhere um I don't know, south of the border perhaps. We're not really sure what he's up to. Living living the life of a uh special operations man. Yep, exactly. And actually <sighs> this is a fitting time for him to not be on the show because he really couldn't participate in this conversation at all. Right. So it it worked out well. And um, that conversation is going to be basically watching the game of Risk, the board game that maybe you played when you were a kid, depending on how old you are, (laughs) um, play out in real life in the world of autonomous vehicles. Yeah, autonomous geopolitics, uh, alliances and rivalries and and jostling for for position. Um, In fact, uh, yeah, actually someone, (laughs) Michael Ronan of SoftBank, uh, he called it, uh, I was a little surprised to see this. Uh, he, he called it uh, a big boy game. Uh, he said, uh, I think this is at the information's, uh, uh, AV summit he said, it's abundantly clear to me that this is not just an intellectual capital game, but a financial capital game. The risks are so big and opportunities are so massive that there will be a few players that in- the intellectual capital and financial capital. I don't think it's winner take all, but it is a big boys game. Yeah. Kirsten, reaction, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess just boys are involved. That's my first reaction. So I'm glad I don't have to worry about that one. Yeah. Um, but there is some interesting, you know, putting that piece aside, I think there's some interesting truth to that. Um, you know, really what I've always equated this to, and you recently wrote about it a week or two ago, and you made some predictions in there in a way, or you started connecting the dots in a way that actually ended up sort of proving out. And I think that it caught a lot of the insiders in the industry. You know, they, I think they wanted to know who your sources were, but you were really <laughs> just connecting the dots. But I've always equated it a little bit to the game, like the game of survivor. And I've talked about this in the show and I've talked about it actually on stage before, which is, you know, no one really wants to get voted off the Island in the world of autonomous vehicles. And the beginning of it, and when I put it the beginning of it, I put it as post-DARPA. Everyone kind of went either into academia, some went to Google self-driving project, but for the most part, people went to other companies. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start getting past 2010, you begin to see more activity and startups happening. And then there was this period between 2015, 16, 17, where everyone was making alliances, it seemed. But it was hard to determine whether those were actually meaningful or not. And now we're in a higher stakes version of that. So in the past month, let's talk about all the alliances and partnerships (laughs) that have happened and that have gone down. There's been a few. Okay. Why don't you start? Okay. So um, so let's see. uh, Fiat Chrysler um, signed an agreement with Aurora which was interesting because, uh, you know, previously they, 
you know, we're, we're basically the supplier, uh, to Waymo of their, their Pacifica minivans. Um, and, uh, and just to sort of, you know, get to that, that framing that you gave. I mean, that w- that was interesting because to me, it signaled uh, a sort of a shift from a, a period where that supplier relationship, a lot of people thought that was the role that the automakers were going to play, right? Is, is we'll just bend the metal for you and give you the car. And then, you know, you guys get all the value, uh, the Foxconn for, uh, uh, for Google. Um, and, and, you know, this showed, okay, Sophia Chrysler is, is not just going to do that. They're actually going to uh, form a partnership with Aurora around uh, commercial vehicles, self-driving commercial vehicles, which is also very interesting, uh, not just doing the robo-taxi thing. Um, so that, yeah, that, that in and of itself was a, was a, a pretty intriguing little, little deal right there. Yeah. And then to jump on that very quickly, because there's a whole long list of other partnerships that went down, um, two points. One, the fact that this was a very narrowly focused deal, I've got, I've received plenty of commentary weighing in on, and some uh, folks from within the industry itself, that this is somehow an indication of the lack of importance of this partnership. And uh, that might be the case. We don't know. But to me, what it actually is more indicative of is that it's a very specific, a specific and perhaps more meaningful one. And because when I see these very general partnerships with no definitions, that to me is more of a red flag than one that is narrowly focused for one, because it has a greater chance of success. And there are clear definitions around that relationship, which leads me to the other breakup, I guess you could call it, between Aurora and Volkswagen, which to me was a classic case of, and I wrote about this, and this is just me reading into and connecting some of the dots. But here was a case of, I think, unmet needs on both sides, mm. not necessarily on the technical side. And I had plenty of people weigh on on that as well. But also, if you start to think about how Aurora what Aurora was doing, what it was tasked with, and the size of VW and all of the shifts that happened on the executive level, and also the lack of clear definition as to what they were doing. Yeah. To me, that was an example of what happens when it's not defined or if the definition changes as a result of a lack of leadership within you know, a company the size of Volkswagen, which is giant. Right. Which has been a real, a real issue in the post Dieselgate era. Um, Volkswagen's leadership has been kind of in their own little hunger games or game of Thrones kind of thing where, where everyone is sort of, you know, fighting each other as much as the competition. And it's very unclear who has power, right? You had, you had Fernand Piech in charge, who was just like, he was the King and, and, you know, everything was around him. He was like the Elon Musk of Volkswagen. And, and since he's been gone and the Dieselgate thing has happened, uh, Martin Vinterkorn, who, who took over from him, was sort of, uh, you know, had, had some of that, that gravitas. But then when he went out with Dieselgate, then it's been sort of this power vacuum. And I think you've seen that in their, in their AV strategy. Um, they have seemed sort of unable to commit. Um, they have their own, what the, the Audi has their own, uh, you know, AV developer, AID. Yep. Um, they have you know a deal in Israel with Mobileye. Um, they've just been kind of all over the place. Um, they've they've there've been talks about them doing sort of a a German supergroup with BMW, Daimler, Bosch, ZF, and and Continental. Um, so so it's it, it's been clear that they've been you know um and and actually even also you know Johann Jungwirth was sort of seen as being the guy in charge, and he he brought out some of these concepts, and and I think was 
involved in, in some of this deal making, then he's out um, now and, and kind of has been marginalized for a while. And so, so anyway, they've been sort of unable to, to sort of focus their, their strategy, it seems like. And it seems like them leaving Aurora and going to Argo, you know, it aligns with the broader uh, alliance with, with Ford that, that Volkswagen is doing. And so that's, that's a really interesting sort of development there as well. Right. And so the VW Argo deal is technically not official, but it's been bandied about. It's a very open, well, I, I put it under the open secret category. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if it were to fall apart at this point, I think that would be surprising. Yeah, And it's in a way a better alignment in many ways. And I'm sure we'll get commentary about, oh, this is about the tech. The one last thing I'll say about that is that I got plenty of insight or whatever from people making commentary about clearly this must be a situation where Aurora's tech didn't hold up. Yeah. But if you actually go back in time <laughs> and I was there and you remember the way the partnership was, was announced mm-hmm. and the fact, which was a year more than a year ago, it was, it was CES in January yep. and the, Gravit, just the the amount of effort that VW put to show that they were attached to Aurora, and also that they had been working with Aurora since essentially they had started the year before. Mm-hmm. Their uh, MOUs or um, proof of concept, you know, sort of, or, and then the next level development agreements, all especially with large companies, take forever to really land and work out all the details up. And when it comes to something technical, this is not something where VW would just essentially say, yep, looks good without vetting it themselves. And I'm sure that that's the same thing that's going on with Argo right now or any other company, by the way, that they've been, that they have been talking to or have talked to in the past. And I have it on um, good authority that VW had talked to many companies about uh, their in showing and expressing interest in that in some technical partnerships of some kind. So to suggest that it's a technical issue, I think is just a little bit. I think it's a little bit short sighted. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's a little short sighted in that it's ignoring how much effort goes into these partnerships prior to them ever being announced. Yeah. There's always been in in the AV space, sort of, in my opinion, an overemphasis on the technical stuff. Like, yeah, it, it is important, obviously, right? It's a, it's a technical problem in a lot of ways. But I think one of the things that we're seeing here is a, a realization that, um, you know, you need the the sophisticated technical development in the the specific areas uh, for for autonomous vehicles. Also, talent is a really, really, really important issue. It's like what a lot of times valuations are are mostly determined by in the space. Um, but also, you know, there's this growing understanding that having um, the things that an automaker brings to the table is really important, right? So like... Right. You know, or a business plan. If you're not yeah. going to be, you know, Aurora, as far as we know right now, in this moment in time, they are essentially, and they'll, I'm sure they will not appreciate this um, description, but they're essentially trying to be a tier one right. in a way. Mm-hmm. They're trying to be a supplier of the the full self driving stack the dri- the Aurora driver as they call it they're not as far as we know trying to launch their own robo taxi service right. right 
that's a very different thing that than some other companies are doing. Um, but that is their positioning right now. They're not trying to manufacture anything. They're not trying to make cars, for example. Right. Um, they're not doing what Zooks is doing. So in a very specific use case, and they're also that means that they're now it's pretty clear who they're going to be competing against. Yep. Um, and then you know Argo is in a way doing something similar, except for the big difference is how the two companies got started. One based on VC money, and the other with an automaker partner as the primary investor. Yeah. And being Argo. So let's just see how that shakes out. And what would happen if VW were to become um, part of a picture? Yeah. If VW were to become part of that picture, suddenly um, Argo might have a little bit more independence from Ford, for one, um, because now there are two players to be... Mm -hmm. You know, even if they were working together, it's still two separate companies. Yep. So I'm really curious to see how that is. But then, of course, there's a bunch of other partnerships and alliances that happen. There's also Waymo. Um, well, hang on. Before we yeah. before we leave Aurora, um, because yeah. I think there's an interesting... So also in the same week, Aurora was like in the center of all of this stuff all week. I'm sure their comms folks were were super busy. Um, and, and and sort of the last piece of, of, the, of this sort of shuffle in, in their partnerships... Um, was Hyundai Kia uh, sort of expanding the partnership? And I think this gets to what you were talking about earlier, where, you know, not all partnerships are, are equal. And it seems like, I mean, I think Aurora had, was, uh, I forget now, four or five when they launched. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, the perception is that, you know, a lot of those were probably sort of like the initial stages, memo of understanding. We'll see, you know, we'll do some preliminary work and sort of take it from there and see how it goes. And yeah, you know, Volkswagen uh, moved to Argo, but, you know, I think pretty clearly Hyundai took the next step with them and said, you know, we like how this is going and we want to, we want to deepen the relationship. And so they invested and, and, you know, they, they're, they're taking that relationship to the next level. So I think that's, um, gives you a little bit of an insight into sort of how Aurora seems to be, you know, handling these partnerships where, right. you know, maybe not all of the partnerships that launch with are going to go to the next step. Clearly with Volkswagen, they're not. Right. But um, with others they're you know, the fit is better. And so they're going to, they're, they are moving forward. Yeah. And I'm not sure how I feel about the partnership with Biden, like how real that is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. You know, really what's important, I think, with the Hyundai situation is that, first of all, it's a minority stake or minority investment. Yeah. And what I was, I did a little bit of like back of the envelope math and it, it's, it's a very, it would be a very small percentage. Um, you know, nothing that would be like huge headlines, but we've seen this before play out with an automaker taking a stake in, well, Daimler with, Tesla, for example. Yeah. Um, and it oftentimes happens when they see a working relationship and it's they want to have a piece of that. It isn't necessarily meant to be they're going to take over the company or anything like that. Right. It just means they have a little bit more skin in the game. And finally, though, then there can we talk about the other couple of alliances? Yeah, yeah. Just really quick before we, I'm sorry, just the one, the one other point I want to make is, is also that um, one of the things I've heard um, and, you know, this isn't like, I don't have a ton of detail on it, but sort of it had, generally one of the differences between Aurora and Argo, and, and I haven't been corrected on this 
so I, I assume it's roughly you know directionally accurate is that um, Argo seems to have you know not only uh, you know do they have uh, an automaker partnership with Ford where I don't know the exact details of the stake but it's clearly a very substantial um, a stake in 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 Argo yeah there's a couple of board seats yep. you know um, yeah. but also um, I did an interview with uh, with Brian Celeski of Argo and uh, uh, Chris Brewer of Ford last summer. Um, and it was very clear that they work together incredibly closely. So on the, on the AV development side at Argo and then the vehicle development side at Ford, they're sort of from the ground up and like, you know, the AV guys are actually having a, a say in the, you know, in the sheet metal of, of the first Ford autonomous vehicle. And mm-hmm. so, whereas I, my understanding is that Aurora is a little bit, there's a little bit more of a, of a wall. I don't know if a wall is the right word, but like, yeah, I would say that's accurate assessment and it's how the, it's also part of how the companies are structured. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the relationship between Cruise and GM, which I see sort of shifting, but right now that, that is absolutely like the same sort of situation. I've been in the factory, um, over at GM where, um, the bolts are made and there is, Cruise, cruise folks are on the ground there. Yeah. Um, because the bolt is the basis of their autonomous vehicles that they, um, are testing all over San Francisco. I think that's what happens. It's the one, it's a benefit of having one customer, but it's also, of course, has a lot. There's a, there's a big risk reward factor there. Yeah. And, um, well, I'm very curious to see what happens. When Volkswagen becomes part of that picture, yep. and um, if that ends up being a good thing, or if it ends up making things a lot more complex, yep. and how Argo handles that, and you know, also by the way, their team's going to have to get bigger, I would think. So yep. I would expect a lot more hiring on that end. Yeah, and you know, the same thing happening over at Cruise, Cruise and GM, but there's other investors. There's a partnership with Honda. Mm-hmm which again, isn't necessarily the same scale, but it is a partnership. And then of course the investment from SoftBank, which could mean all sorts of different things. And we're not really sure how that's going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. So SoftBank um, is a really interesting piece of this whole sort of geopolitical puzzle um, because they have significant investments, not only in Cruise, uh, GM Cruise, but also in uh, Uber's uh, advanced technology group, um, which is also um, they're not co-invest, but like another investor there is Toyota. So like SoftBank is theoretically in the middle of, you know, a big General Motors sort of an Honda, uh, a cruise partnership, and then also a, a, an Uber ATG Toyota partnership. Um, one of the things I've heard and sort of, you know, talking to folks and, and sounding out theories that went into this piece that I wrote was like, there is, there seems to be a certain amount of anxiety among, among people in this space that like, you know, if SoftBank and, and SoftBank is a whole thing unto itself, right? They've got a lot of pressure right now and, and, and things are really interesting there. Way too much to get into. But like theoretically, you know, if SoftBank decided, you know, they wanted to try and push these, these two players together, um, that would be something that would totally change the entire strategic calculus for everybody in the space. Because then you have Toyota and GM you know, with, with all the scale and the resources that they both, I mean, each on their own is, is a 800 pound gorilla and you put them together, um, especially with ATG, which has been in the development game for a very long time. Cruise, which is very widely seen as, a uh, one of the, the more competitive companies. Um, 
that that could create something huge. And I think that that the fear, right? It, it's it's when you get into these sort of Cold War sort of games, uh, you know, the fear that that these, you know, the SoftBank could could sort of push or facilitate uh, the creation of of a just huge player in terms of the resources and the and the talent and all that. Um, that I think is it has to be part of what's uh, sort of driving a lot of this deal making, right? Is that fear, right? What happens to Argo, or what happens to Aurora, or what happens to Aptive, right, yep. or something like that? And let's not forget with the with SoftBank's investment in Uber ATV, ATG, Toyota and Denso were also part of the group of investors that sunk, I think, about a billion dollars into. Um, into Uber's autonomous vehicle unit. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an interesting piece there as well. Yep. Um, and then, of course, the other alliance that happened recently is, is Waymo uh, with Nissan Renault. And that is all about Waymo's clear interest in doing some things in Europe. Mm. So that is just listing some of the more obvious and recent alliances and partnerships that have happened that's not even going back into time a little bit and looking at um, like, lest we forget GM invested in Lyft at one point and Dan Ammon was on Lyft's board, which he's no longer on. Yeah. Um, and it, it basically, because it was starting to look like they, that they were going to be competitors. Yeah. And, um, and, and so it just was, didn't make sense for any company. Lyft also has an alliance with a number of companies, including, Aptive, and now uh, uh, to a much lesser degree, but still an alliance or partnership with Waymo. Yep. Yeah. So it's fueling this very interesting game. You know, we were talking about the game of risk or survivor, but uh, there is a lot in, you know, the one thing that I want to just comment on is a general response because I get this every single time. All of this happened to happen within a span of a few weeks, much much of what we have just talked about. And there was a lot of conjecture about when the VW Aurora deal fell apart. And then suddenly the next, you know, there was suddenly a a week later, a few days later, this relationship with Fiat Chrysler, by the way, Fiat Chrysler's proposed merger with Renault Nissan fell apart during that time. (laughs) And let's just be clear that like, Fiat Chrysler did not just like the day that deal fell apart, walk over to Aurora and say, let's make a deal. These right. things take months. Now, were they maybe um, extra motivated to announce something? Was that deal, had that deal already been done and signed for a while and the timing was good? Yeah, sure, possibly. Well, let's just be real about the timing of these partnerships. They take months to put together and they could certainly fall apart at any time. And usually when an announcement happens, the announcement is just time to coincide with whatever they want, sometimes a conference or sometimes to deflect some other bad news. And I've saw many stories written this way. Yeah. And so I just, it, it was an annoying thing I saw. And it's like one deal doesn't fall apart and the next deal doesn't get made in a day. Yeah. And that just doesn't happen. Yeah. And, and I think for me, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I kind of, I kind of turned into with this a little bit like that, uh, you know, an always sunny in Philadelphia, uh, guy with the, 
the pin board, you know, with all these connections and the like wild look in his eyes. Um, like it is, there's a lot to sort of keep track of here and there's a lot of interlocking relationships. And, um, and I think that for me, you know, as I sort of went through that process of you know, trying to game things out and understand it, I feel like it made more and more sense, more I, I started to zoom out and just look at, you know, not get too focused on, you know, the specific deals that were, because again, like you say, they were all sort of happening thick and fast, but they also weren't all just happening in that short time frame. These things, like you say, it, it takes time and, and there's, you know, the, these companies are looking at a much longer timeline, a much bigger thing than, than, you know, a perspective than it looks like, um, you know, if you just are following the news minute by minute. And uh, I think zooming out the, the, and it was funny, I, I actually kind of predicted in my space or in my piece, well, I, I didn't predict it. I'd heard that Nissan, Renault, Mitsubishi Alliance was talking with Waymo, had been for a while. There'd been actually rumors reported for a while. And I'd been hearing that they were still ongoing. And I, I sort of speculated, I sort of said, look, you know, the, the really interesting trend here is not necessarily the details of, of all these partnerships. They are interesting, but there's still a lot to put together there. But, but if you really zoom out, the big trend seems to be that you know, we're in a very different world than we were or we thought we would be in um, a few years back when Waymo was sort of the, you know, undisputed leader and sort of the the interpretation everyone had was that like they were going to dictate terms to everyone. It was This was a seller's market. They were in control. Um, if you want to have, you know, your vehicle with Waymo's technology, you have to just agree to whatever they want. And they were sort of looking for supplier relationships, right? It's the old, you know, automakers are going to turn into the Foxconn for, for Google sort of trope. And I think what we see now is, is totally different because we have these players like, like Argo and Aurora um, and others uh, who are not trying to disrupt the automakers. They're trying to create a new supply chain, like you were saying mm-hmm. uh, earlier, Kirsten. And, um, and, and so to me, I said, you know, okay, this, this trend will really be real. I'll feel like, you know, th- th- this shift um, and, and maybe it's, you know, maybe a lot of this was happening in the world of perception rather than reality. And we can, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that, but, um, we'll know that this shift is really real. You know, if Waymo sort of inks a deal with, um, an automaker that seems to be more than just a supplying vehicle bodies kind of a thing, like it has with, uh, with, with Jaguar Land Rover and Fiat Chrysler. And sure enough, Oh, the Lyft thing? Is that what you're about to say? No, oh. no, no. The, the Nissan, the Nissan Mitsubishi Renault thing. Now, oh, okay. I, we don't know a ton of details right. about that, right. um, about that deal. Right. But I do know, um, and, and we reported this at the drive, um, you know, Bertel Schmidt, um, ha- had some sources and, and we know that, you know, way back in the, in the early days, uh, 2013, 2014 ish, uh, Google pre Waymo, um, Google self-driving went to Nissan and, and did a whole presentation for the board. And the board was like, okay, like we're interested. What, you know, what's your, what's your go-to-market strategy? And like Google didn't have one. And they were like, uh, okay, like this is, this is kind of a joke. And so we know that like Nissan is not, or, or this alliance is not necessarily just like, you know, starstruck that like, oh, we have this opportunity to deal with Waymo. We know that, you know, they, they only want to do something if, if, if they feel like they're going to get some value out of it. And so I think, I'm I'm interpreting this deal as as and I'd love to find out more, um, but as as being sort of a more even handed sort of thing, and and I think to me, if that proves to be to be the case, it really will confirm that you know the idea that AV developers would simply dictate terms to the automakers 
it just, that's, that's not what's happened. We mm-hmm. have a very different world now and, and auto industry dynamics are really driving a lot of what's, what's happening in the space now. Sure. And I think also um, when you were talking about like the technical piece, not being the whole picture, um, tech, technical um, acumen obviously is it, critical and important. But a lot of companies, unless they're just planning on supplying the full drive self-driving stack and that's it, um, they have to also be thinking about what is the product going to look like? How is it going to interact with customers? What is going to be the interface? If it's a rover taxi, is it what's the app going to look like? What's the business strategy? All of these pieces. That what's now, the regulatory environment? Right, sure. All of those pieces, if if they haven't been thought about yet and there's any plans of rolling out um, some sort of commercial service in the next year, they're way, way late. Mm-hmm. And so that's another way of like, again, you know, you can look at all these alliances and, and partnerships, by the way, impossible to know what level these alliances and partnerships are. And that's why I love going back and looking at initial press releases, um, especially when, and this happened recently, when companies push back as to, you know, it wasn't that important or it was important. Um, and I love to go back and, and look at the language or, you know, maybe I was at the event itself and remind them, you know, here you were cheerleading at the time saying it was the best thing. And now you're now. So what happened? Right. You're either lying then or you're lying now. Yeah. And so there, it's very difficult. It's very opaque beyond the words partnership, knowing really what the level and scope is. That's why I really welcome it when I see definitions around it, yeah. like Waymo, like even Waymo's um, uh, partnership with Nissan Renault. There isn't a lot there yet, but we know that there is a focus on Europe, right? It's it's um, it, which makes sense, of course. Um, but we know a few things. The the Aurora Hyundai piece, we know some things. Ford and Volkswagen working together specifically on like commercial vans, for example. Um, that type of thing is a lot more important to me, mm-hmm. um, than like the scope of the relationship as opposed to just partnering. Yeah. I think we're past that time. Yep. It's, um, a little bit like being past the time of when everyone got excited the first time that they were in a demo ride. Right. Like we're kind of past that. And now we're being judged on our, those companies are being judged on how much has it improved? You know, how are they deploying? Yep. Can they do these things? You know, things like that. It's like, but it's like disengagement reports. Sorry, not to cut in, but it's like disengagement yeah. reports, right? There was a time where I was like, oh, cool, we have this metric. And then it was sort of like, oh, like this means, you know, they can define this all differently. And like now, you know, hopefully there's, there's sort of a little more competition to be more granular and detailed uh, about those numbers because, you know, to, to actually make them mean something, you know, real rather than just sort of this number that could, could mean almost anything. Right. So a couple other real quick things besides uh, mergers. The other thing that interesting that's been happening that anyone who's been paying attention to the space will notice is that there have been a lot of acquisitions or what I call aqua hires, which I learned recently, I guess was coined on a TechCrunch disrupt stage or something. So we have TechCrunch to thank for that. So acquisitions, Aurora buying Blackmore, which is the LiDAR company in Bozeman, Montana. The um, information reported that Uber and Mighty AI. Yeah. And then, of course, yesterday, this has been a tale that's been kind of been (laughs) 
evolving, I guess, for a while, which is the, the essentially the, the closing of Drive AI and its purchase by Apple. And my sources tell me that this was an aqua hire. I was not the first person to report on this information was. And then the San Francisco Chronicle had the Warren report, which is, and that's really an important piece. If this was just a straight up acquisition, the company would not have been required under state law to report to this, you know, the California employment department that it was closing its office. It's what's required when you're about to lay off a bunch of people. Right. So, you know, I also received that report. Chronicle got to it first. And um, and so really the tale that if you look at the history of the company, which is really interesting to me, they um, I was one of the first people to write about them back in like uh, 2016 or 15. And they have an interesting approach. Their business model changed a bit, but they had a... Um, a pilot in Frisco, Texas. They had a high profile chairman and they were a spin out of uh, a lab in, in Stanford. And so there was a lot of buzz about them. But, um, and they were valued at around 200 million at one point. But they also went through several CEOs in yeah. a very short period of time. Uh, like in four years, I think they had four CEOs. And they had a number of different co founders. And essentially the company folded. And it looks like based on LinkedIn, like a handful of people are going to Apple. And I think that they got a little bit of IP as well based on some sources I have. That doesn't, that's not a straight up acquisition. Right. But so that's, that's what's happened just in the past, essentially three or four weeks. Yeah. um, In terms of acquisitions. So here's my question for you. And also the question for listeners. I'm curious what you think the next, like, what is left right now this year in terms of either a a major partnership or an acquisition? Like, who is left? Who is left to join together? Yeah, I have one. Okay, go 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 for it. Yeah, no, no. I mean, unless you have one. I mean, I I have a. I I I actually think the uh, both Cruise and Uber ATG. Um, are really interesting because they both uh, have pretty pretty heady valuations. Um, they both have some pretty well reported on uh, uh, challenges, uh, major ones. I mean, with Uber, obviously they had that crash, uh, the fatal crash last year, um, as and just sort of you know the whole Anthony Lewandowski, you know Waymo lidar lawsuit. I mean, they've had a lot of real issues, uh, and there's been a lot of reporting that's really shown sort of their struggles internally. Uh, and Cruise also has been the subject of quite a bit of reporting in the last year. Um, they're supposed to deploy, um, you know, commercially this year. It, it's looking like that may not happen or it may, you know, a commercial deployment may not mean what people thought or hoped. Um, and I think when you when you take that into account that, that both of these companies they have that combination of, of well-known challenges and struggles uh, and very high valuations for their most recent you know, fundraising. And then you look at, you know, one of their investors, SoftBank, talking about how this is this big game. And I'm not saying it's inevitable by any stretch that that these two companies merge. In fact, one of the interesting parts of all this is that merging autonomous drive programs is, is very hard, if not impossible in a lot of cases. In a lot of cases, my understanding is, is that 
it, you know, one of them has to be sort of the the receptacle and that, that continues on. And the other one, basically that development program, maybe you can take bits and pieces of it and, and incorporate it into the other system. But a lot of times, you know, a lot of work just kind of has to get left, you know, in, on the cutting room floor, so to speak. Um, so, so there's, you know, there's risks to this, but I think that, you know, if crews can't deploy this year, um, and and they miss that deadline, and and there's maybe more reporting or whatever about about their 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 struggles. You know, they're going to be under they're going to be under pressure to to do something that shows that they're that they're doing something. Who would they Who would they Who would they partner? What would they do? What's their option? Well, I mean, the the, the nuclear option, right, is is to try and do a deal with ATG. Um, I think that obviously there's there's huge challenges to that. Um, and uh, you know, but but. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to, um, we do know also that, that, right. That Cruz wants to hire a lot more, more people. Um, so, uh, you know, that would also suggest, right. We're, we're, we're sort of seeing with the Apple thing that, you know, uh, these deals are in a lot of ways, a way to sort of get around the very, very challenging recruiting situation, uh, in this space. So, I mean, I don't have a, a real specific sense of, of who either ATG or or Cruise might sort of partner with, but I do get the sense that that they are both companies that need to show that something is happening, or, or that they're sort of maintaining their, if nothing else, their lead in, in terms of perception. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, I've got a lot of work to do on that, obviously. Um, but I, I, you know, if I were to start digging now, those would be sort of the companies I would be looking at. But I'm curious, yeah, what, what about you? I'm. I'm most I'm most interested right now in Zooks. Uh, yeah. And maybe Voyage. Because mm. here's the thing, like Voyage can keep doing what they're doing. We've had Oliver Cameron on the show um, and they maybe don't need to partner, but I just feel like they might. Um, and that's not based on, you know, like I'm not going to tip my hat on, on too much there, but I just, it just seems like they could continue to do what they're doing. They don't really have to, I don't think. I think the company that that falls more into that category is Zooks. And the, and here's how I go about asking that question, which is, can Zooks do it alone? Right. Can they do everything that they're doing right now alone? And I don't think that they need another uh, autonomous vehicle company. So do they need a platform like a network, like a ride-hailing network? Right. Maybe. But do they need something else? Do they need just more money and capital and runway? And if they were to do that, then who would they partner with? And, you know, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, their newest CEO, um, Aisha Evans, has a deep history over at Intel. And Intel certainly has money, although they have already bought Mobileye. So I kind of wonder if there's something there. And... You know, I think that that relationship is still close and it was, it was like a good departure and, you know, the Intel people like love Aisha Evans. So I just wonder if there's something there, but, but really, even if it's not like some, a company as big as Intel, I just look at Zooks and I just wonder to myself, can they do it alone? Yep. Do they want to do it alone? And do they have the runway and do they want the freedom from con- like having to constantly get money. Right. Um, because what they're trying to do isn't just retrofitting a vehicle. It is uh, incredibly expensive. So to me, that is the most likely next 
partnership, something's going to happen with that company. And I could be completely wrong, but it just seems to make sense to me that that will happen. I, I actually think you're, you're right on with that. Um, I, I really agree because you're right. They, they are trying to do a lot. Um, their previous CEO, uh, Tim Kentley Clay was sort of very famously this, uh, you know, flamboyant kind of guy who, who sort of, you know, I came from the Elon Musk school of, you know, my confidence will carry us through and, and taking on big things is the right way to, to do it. But, but yeah, like you say, they're, they're taking on really tough things. They want to not just build an autonomous drive system, but, but really just reimagine and build a vehicle, a, a new kind of robo taxi uh, from the ground up and, and just developing that, let alone manufacturing it, supply chain. I mean, there's so, so much challenge there. And the business platform. Yeah. And so when you start to think about those things, um, it starts to become like, there was a lot of excitement around that company, I think before, because it was secretive and what are they doing? And here they had this, you know, Tim Hintley K figure, but really like you strip all that stuff away, all that nonsense away. And you actually really focus on what they're trying to do. That's what to me makes that company so fascinating. Yeah. And if you start to look at the people that they've assembled there, um, and the size of the team, the amount of uh, capital that it's going to require and the fact that they are really trying to be very different on whether or not they're able to pull that off is going to be something to watch. But, you know, people who are on that board are not, this is not their first rodeo by any stretch. Right. Um, You've got Carl Bass on there on on the board. You've got Lori Yoler on the board. Um, You hear you have a, a well-seasoned, you know, executive from Intel now running the company and then, of course, the co-founder, oh, yeah. who who has the technical expertise, and by the way, deep roots in the valley. So there is a lot that this company clearly wants to do. And by the way, we're talking about Jesse Levinson, right? right, right. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, who, by the way, is going to be on our on our stage at TechCrunch uh, Mobility on July 10th. So uh, this is why I, I'm going to put a little plug in there. Well done. Yeah, thank well you. Well done. But the reason why is because I really want to. I mean, I'm sure Jesse will just happily tell us all on stage. But oh yeah. I'm sure he will, but you know, uh, I, that's why I'm so fascinated by this company and that we really wanted them to to participate is because, you know, whether or not they, you know, give us every detail, I've noticed that they're starting to be a little bit more public than they ever were before. That's actually a really good point. Cause like they've been putting out a lot of videos and, and I frankly, like the secretive thing can go two ways, right? You can be, it can generate mystique like Apple and it's like, and, and I think Tesla tries to do this a lot too, where it's like, you know, well, if you don't know what they're doing and you let your imagination run wild, that's a good thing. Cause you imagine them doing things that, you know, are, are, are amazing. Right? And maybe, yeah. maybe even impossible depending on how, how optimistic and imaginative you are. Yeah. Half of my Twitter, like, you know, mentions or DMs or, you know, you say that Tesla doesn't have a self-driving car, but you don't know what Elon's doing. He's driving, you know, he's being driven around every day. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, well, it's a perfect example. It's like, yeah, sure. But then there's, I think you were about to say the bad side of being like the secretive company. And I think that's the Faraday future app. Yes. Yeah. Example. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> right? and so Zooks, Zooks has been putting out these videos and, and, you know, I, I talked about this uh, just today, um, a few, few days ago when this comes out, but um these are impressive videos. And again, for me personally, just looking at Zooks, I was always like, it's very hard when you have so little to go on, you know, to get, to get a read on really where they are. And without, you know, obviously videos only prove so much that, you know, that they're, 
I'm I'm not running wild with this as some I think uh, on Twitter. I really wanted to troll you. I really wanted to troll you on this. Yeah, no, you. Well, yeah, I think we should say right here that I was going to call you out on Twitter publicly about this, and I'm just going to do it on this podcast because no one listens to it, right? So, (laughs) um, except for industry people, um. Yeah, we have always said that people releasing videos is stupid. And it's not stupid, but like demos are easily faked, videos are easily faked. And here you were doing the exact opposite. And I almost, almost, almost told you publicly. Yeah. And so I'm gonna ask you again, explain yourself. Well don't 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 hold back next time. I I, I love being trolled by you. Okay, well, so explain yourself. Okay. Why why do you keep talking about how why are you so taken by these videos? Because you you shit on other videos. Yeah. Um, well, because I think that, you know, part of it is that this stuff is is all relative, right? And so I'm, um, you know, showing showing the ability to operate in certain areas and 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 get through certain, you know, situations. It does it show, does it prove anything definitively? No. Um, but it establishes a bar for what you say you're even capable of in a meaningful way relative to just saying it, right? If you say, you know, hypothetically, we're going to have, you know, level five vehicles next year that, you know, like, that's great. Okay. You've said that, um, vi- you know, showing a video doesn't prove that, that you're actually going to do that or that, or that or doesn't prove how close you are to that, but it is a step up from simply saying it. And that's really all I was trying to get at. It's like, you know, and, and I think I think Voyage has has actually done a good job of this too. And again, in both of these cases, I'm not you know assessing the level of technical capability of, of of autonomous drive systems as we've discussed many times on the show is extremely difficult. And there's no way to make any real definitive statements about about you know technical progress with confidence. It's it's very difficult. Um, and uh, you know nobody is is writing in you know everybody's vehicles like on a regular basis and, you know, on a regular enough basis to be able to really definitively say some of this stuff, which is fresh, by the way, companies like, please like get more people in your cars in in less scripted and, and more spontaneous situations so that we can start to, to talk about this stuff if you're confident. But that, but I think that's what it is. It shows confidence in a way that is not totally meaning, meaningless. And I think, yeah, you know, you can fake video. Well, to me, it's not about faking video. It's just that I, I always, I'm like, I look at those videos with interest and I think that it can tell a lot, but it also should come with the acknowledgement that it could have been cherry picked as well. Sure. So, you know, in, in that, and I understand that that's like an impossible task. Zooks or Waymo or Cruz, they're not going to like hand over every single minute taken from every single vehicle, like that would be an impossible. Of course, they're going to try to show the most compelling or complicated video of things going well. Right. Um, that's why I kind of like videos from like when it exists in academia where it's there's the stakes to, to show something going right aren't as high. It's more to show the problem. Right. Um, and I really, that's what I've always liked about that type of stuff. Or even the earliest days of Google self-driving project, they were like, would show, you know, things that didn't go quite as planned. Yeah. Um, and you just don't see that anymore. Yeah. So I just come with it like with a very skeptical eye. Yeah. And I think that you have in the past as well. And so that's no, why I was And I'm not but and that's not changing. I'm just saying, you know, and again, if you if you read what I actually wrote, um, I was 
I tried to be, I thought I was being careful about it. And like going from, from, you know, telling to showing, uh, is progress of some kind. And I think, you know, for me also, like I'll, I'll let's put all the cards on the table here. Like, you know, one of the things looming over, and I know we really don't want to talk about Tesla on this episode, but, uh, one of the things looming over all this and in the entire AV space, because of the popularity of, of Tesla and Elon Musk is sort of, you know, they, they sort of have set this, this bar and whether you think it's the high bar in the sector or the low bar in the sector kind of depends on, on your view of this stuff. But like, you know, they, I think everyone should be able to agree that the mismatch between stated ambitions and goals and demonstration of any kind is the, is the greatest with Tesla, right? Okay. So clearly, you know, level five by next year, um, is an incredibly ambitious goal. As Alex always says, and I love, I love this saying, you know, extraordinary claims call for extraordinary evidence. Um, and, and, and yet, even though their, their stated goals are the most ambitious, their sort of demonstrations have all been extremely modest. I mean, even at autonomy day, you know, th- these were not drives in, in, in dense urban areas at all. Um, they were, it, it was really not that much different than the 2016 painted black video. Um, and so, you know, and, and what's interesting about that, by the way, is that we knew, you know, because of the disengagement reports that like, as that was being filmed, there were lots and lots of disengagements, which weren't in the video. Um, and so I think that it's, it's, you know, from that baseline, you know, if people are going to take Tesla seriously, when there's such a huge gap between their claims and, and what they've even tried to demonstrate or prove, then I think, you know, companies like Voyage and, 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 um, and Zook's coming out and showing these videos doesn't prove anything definitively other than that they're, they're able to do something that for whatever reason, Tesla isn't. Now I'm not, I don't know for a fact that Tesla's not doing this because they can't do it. Maybe they can, and they're not doing it for some other reason. Right. And, and it's not that I've changed my mind about any of this. It's that like, it's very difficult on Twitter, especially when you have limited words or, or characters to like put this disclaimer about everything you tweet, right? Which is that like... Well, I have I have a solution for you on that, okay. which is just not tweeting Don't as much. Never tweet, yeah. <laughs> well, or just, you know, take it down a notch. Um, well, somehow this this conversation, we brought up Tesla again. So I'm, I'm going to call... I'm going to call this one uh, because... And, and I'm going to end it on... I think something's going to happen with Zooks. Yep. You think something's going to happen with Cruise and Uber ATG. Yep. And, and actually, okay. the Voyage thing is interesting. I don't get the sense that Voyage wants an exit. I don't either, but I just kind of wonder if they – I think it could be more distant. But if they want to, let's say, add – they could continue to hire and raise money and and expand. And, and they've got kind of like a sweet gig right now. They don't right. need to. Um, I kind of hope they don't. Yeah. But I, I just sort of wonder if they'll get – uh, bitten by the alliance bug. Well, and and the um, one the one thing too, voyage that I think is really interesting that um, Oliver mentioned when he was on our show was that you know they kind of because they came out of uh, uh, Udacity, um, which has sort of been a, an interesting source, a non traditional source of talent in the space. Uh, and and Oliver talked about this, like I said, when he was on the show. Um, talent, you know, more and more, it seems like you can explain almost every move in this space to some extent on talent and the need for talent competition for talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it would not surprise me if, if Voyage either has received or will receive pretty tempting offers simply because 
they do have their own talent and, but they also have this sort of, they're a funnel for talent yeah. uh, coming into the space, not, not through CMU, not through Stanford. Right. And they have an interesting business case, yes, which makes them act to me really compelling because of what they're doing. So, you know, I'll be curious to hear from all their, who, by the way, we're also going to have on our stage at TechCrunch Mobility on July 10th. So, so t- tell me more about this TechCrunch Mobility. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I find myself right. intrigued. <laughs> so the biggest selling point, I think, is that the Atonicast is going to be there. And we're going to be doing some taping. And I'm trying to figure out a way for us to ideally do our podcast within an autonomous shuttle. So if you own an autonomous shuttle and you want to park it out in front of the California theater on July 10th, come on down. You should contact me immediately. What I would like to do is do what we did at CBS, which with Avis, which was great, but it was in a car and let's like spread out a little bit. Um, (laughs) I'll be on stage a bunch. Yeah, that was very cramped. And we had so many good sports that it was kind of amazing that we had like, you know, the former head of NHTSA crammed in the but we have um on july 10th in san jose it is going to be i'll be on stage a ton of cast will be there taping we're going to have a lot of people who we've actually had on the show and a lot of new people too but we're going to have the cto of waymo dimitri dolgov we're going to have jesse levinson from zooks and we're going to have Clark Haynes from Uber and Oliver Cameron from Voyage. We're going to have Neuro's uh, co-founder, Dave Ferguson, who, by the way, Neuro is another company that SoftBank has put a ton of money into. And uh, Regina Klulu, who we've had on the show from Populous AI. And um, Caroline um, Sampanaro from Lyft. And Amnon uh, Sashoya from Mobileye. So Ken Washington from Ford, we've, we've got a lot of everything and I'm actually kind of excited that we have, um, Oh, Carl Yanyama from Aptiv. We have someone from Argo coming who I'm excited about, uh, their chief security officer, Summer Fowler. We're going to talk about cybersecurity. And then we have a little bit of edginess too, which is, you know, Eric Buell, the, if you know, Buell motorcycles, he has a new company called fuel with two L's and, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about motorcycles and, and electric uh, electrification of that. So there's a lot going on. We're gonna hit all the scooter companies and stuff too. So it sounds awesome, and it sounds like the kind of thing I would want to attend, I even if you good. hadn't told me I had no choice but to attend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have no choice. Um, we did have a little bit of an insiders dinner at, that Ed wasn't invited to. No, nah, I'm not. I'm not an insider. I'm no. Alex was there. Yeah, see, Alex insider <laughs> Ed. Nope. Alex walks into her room though, and he just makes a whole party. So he had to be there. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and you know, I don't know what that says about I, you. Like I, that. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, um, but this was in San Francisco, and we had. Um, it's something that all I will say is that I'm going to do my best to do more of because it re- it was like recreating. If you're a Gertrude Stein fan and all, the 1920s in Paris, which was she would have these salons. And so I kind of think of it as a tech salon. It was 50 people. It was all people who have absolutely skin in the game from every AV company and investors and things like that. And instead of me just sitting up there and interviewing someone, I did have someone up there, um, Annie Kadavi from Redpoint Ventures, 
we open it up and the the level of engagement in that room was great. There was a lot of discussion about city policy and MDS and and the rights of scooters. There was a lot of debate about autonomous vehicles and timelines and things like that. And and really, we weren't doing much of the talking. Mm. And there was a lot of talk about Amazon. So, you know, it was something that we wanted to show as a test piece. And hopefully, that's what happens over at TechCrunch Mobility. But I will say that we want to absolutely do more of what we did um, in June and extend that, um, you know, throughout the year. That's my hope, because it was super great. Yeah. It reminded me of uh, if Autonocast was, were to have a party, which we have, um, and, and the type of people you would have there, what would those conversations be like? And so, Ed, you've experienced that. You know what that's like. I do, yeah. And uh, uh, since we're since we're doing plugs here, um, oh, here no, I just want to say I, I do over at The Drive, um, I've been having a lot of fun doing um, this other, uh, my solar podcast uh, called Merge Now. Um, and uh, you can't, you cannot... Um, you cannot promote yours. It's yes, like it's like the musician who promotes his solo it's, career, like touring the, well, career. There's plenty of like anybody who cares enough <laughs> about this stuff to to listen to two podcasts. Like if, if you're going to listen to one podcast, I'm guessing you're probably going to listen to the Tonicast. It's a much bigger, more established show. If you listen to the Tonicast and you are left wanting more, uh, you wish we still did two episodes a week, and you want more Ed, and you want I more, and, and you can put up with me. Uh, <laughs> which, based on the feedback, not everyone can. Um, uh, check out Merge now. It's on. It's on iTunes. It's on Google Play. Um, I've been having a lot of fun because I've had some some great guests. Um, Brian Seleski in the most recent uh, episode of uh, with uh, from Argo AI. We had basically an hour long conversation. Really interesting. Touching a lot of the hot button issues right now in the space. Um, and although not really the strategic stuff we've been talking about here. Uh, and then before that, we had a, another really. Well, I really enjoyed it. Um, talking to uh, Mark Truman from Arc, uh, another electric motorcycle company. Uh, they're doing some really fascinating stuff to sort of use technology to make motorcycles safer, but also like more fun uh, and more capable. Uh, really interesting stuff there that came out of sort of just digging up some patent filings um, that they'd done. So uh, yeah, if if you want more mobility podcast goodness. Um, Go ahead and subscribe to Merge now. Uh, I think you might you might enjoy it. If you like this show, you'll you'll probably like that too. Maybe, maybe. Um, but also, I mean, you know, this was this was a lot of fun too. And I don't know, do we even need Alex? Like, can we just can we just ditch know. him? Well, here's a question. We're going to test and see if Alex actually listens to this show because then we'll get like, are you mad at me messages? He, so, he, he won't listen to this show. And, he and, won't listen to but it. But also, show. I don't want to get rid of Alex because uh, he and I need to talk about Tesla. It's been too long. Um, we have some some things to discuss. So, uh, Right. Well, it hasn't I, been long enough for me. And I can't wait to referee that uh, conversation. I, I, I was told, by the way, that then we really do need to wrap it up because no one's going to listen to this. Uh, that that if I got one takeaway from the last three or four conferences I've been to, in which people have walked up to me and said, "I'm a fan of the Autonicast. I'm with X company, or I'm a software engineer, and I want to break into the company." Um, a lot of actually, as students, believe it or not, um, listened to us and reached out, and they all say that they love it when we fight. Mm-hmm. And so I can't say I, that- I've been getting that a lot too. <laughs> and and the funny thing is, is that. We, it's not something that we try to do, but apparently it's very disappointing when we all agree. Yeah. So I guess it's not, it's nothing I can force. I just naturally get annoyed with you two and then have to step in. 
Um, but maybe we can do a better job of choosing topics in which we know that we will not necessarily agree with. Well, Tesla's been pretty solid in that respect. So yeah, sorry, we'll, we'll get a little tired of that one. Get a little tired of that one. Perhaps a new company can come along. Yeah, companies stir up some drama. We want to fight about about new things. Right. Okay. On that note, <laughs> thank you for listening to the Atonicast, and we will see you maybe in July. <laughs>